Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Whiskey Raiders podcast. My name is Jay. I have a couple bottles of whiskey in front of me. I'm joined very shortly here by John Henderson of the Bourbon Finder, which means it is time for another episode about whiskey from Whiskey Raiders. So uh, tonight we have an interesting tasting episode. We've got two whiskeys that I think five years ago nobody would have ever heard of because they didn't exist. Uh, Two whiskeys that John and I could not be more excited about from a producer level in recent months. But before we go ahead and get started, just a reminder, go ahead and get signed on up if you are, uh, you know, kind of exploring whiskey. If you're interested in trying something new, Whiskey Raiders has the new Bottle of the Month Club at whiskeyraiders.com. Go ahead and check that out for more info. We would love to have you. And without further ado, I think it's time we get drinking. How you doing, John? I'm doing well, man. I'm excited to talk whiskey. Uh, Things have been pretty wild around here. So I think my message to you earlier was, I've been doing chores for the last two hours and I need a fucking drink. So let's get into it. <laughs> that is word for word what you sent me. And I could not agree more. I've, I'm concluding, I think it's either 12 or 13 weeks on the road. I'm finally home for the foreseeable future, which means lots of whiskey, lots of reviews, lots of podcast episodes and everything you guys like. But in the meantime, I could use a drink myself. So we, uh, we've got two interesting whiskeys from two states we don't typically talk about or you know really drink whiskey from anyways we're starting with one from Texas here i have poured out and this is from still austin uh, what do what do we have here john yeah this is the latest in their upcoming line here this is the red corn bourbon whiskey this is a bottled and bond product which i think is their very first bottled and bond i have the press info here someplace but i of course have misplaced it Uh, I'm excited about this really because I've said this, geez, I don't know how many times to, I don't know how many people, but if you're looking for whiskey from Texas, don't ask somebody from Texas what to get. Texas, look, I love you. This is nothing against you. But people from Texas just fucking love Texas. They're going to tell you that they're all great. That may not always be the case, but I cannot say anything so far negatively in terms of Still Austin's portfolio. Everything I've tried from them, I've really liked. It's crazy that they're releasing young Texas whiskey that is this good. I, I'm i right there with you. I, I kind of swore off of te- uh, Texas whiskey for, gosh, several years. I had I had the Bad Balconis, oh, I had the, uh, the Gritty Garrison Brothers, and I had the downright terrible TX stuff. And that was enough... Uh, years ago, you know, the combination of like 18 months to two and a half years old, just like bludgeoned by tan, and it was always like a hundred dollars or more. Just terrible, terrible combination of value and quality. And I thought to myself, like, gee, I may never ever enjoy Texas whiskey. And lo and behold, I want to say it was last year on Weekly Whiskey, which uh, John and I do on YouTube. You can find us there as well. We had our first experience with Texas whiskey from Still Austin, and man, that changed both of our opinions. And I've really I've really liked the things we've had. We've had bourbon. We've had rye from them. Uh, they're doing single casks now. They actually just sent me a bottle of gin, which to me is like kind of cool. Like you always know someone's doing well when they're branching into a new spirit Hell type. Yeah. So I'm pumped about that. But tonight we have the red corn bourbon whiskey, which is bottled in a bond. So tonight's going to be a little bottled in a bond episode. Spoiler there. I'm pumped to get into this. Like Nancy Fraley and the Still Austin crew, they're turning Texas whiskey around. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, the slow water reduction right down to the blending that they're doing. All of the stuff combined to make a killer recipe. So as I'm looking through some of the material here, the red corn bourbon whiskey is going to be the first of their upcoming four seasonal whiskey releases in their bottle and bond series. So I think this in and of itself will kind of make its own gravy and that will have these four different releases 
to seasonally try and compare and see like how they sort of align with our palates as whiskey drinkers as the seasons shift, which we talk about quite a bit, whether it's like shifting into rye season or for you, scotch season, things along those lines. I think it'll be really fun to see how this entire product line evolves. Yeah, you and I you and I are as basic as it comes. Like the day the seasons change, we become completely different people. And if it's late or early, we we can't talk about it enough. But um, it's an interesting point you bring up there of four seasonal whiskeys. It kind of reminds you of what New Riff is doing in their Ranger program up in the north exactly. of Kentucky. You know, they're focusing on the heritage grains, but you know, you can make an argument that maybe seasonal whiskey in still Austin's case is going to be different grains or different styles, but maybe we've got a North Riff and a South Riff with still Austin here. I'm, I'm curious to see what the futures are. But now that I have the red corn poured, this stuff smells amazing. Yeah, it's got a great nose on it. Uh, just to quickly touch on the rest of the Bottle and Bond series here, they're going to be rolling out over the next few months into next year a high rye bourbon whiskey for the fall, a still Austin Bottle and Bond blue corn bourbon whiskey for the winter, and then okay. come spring of next year, 2024, we're going to be looking at a straight rye whiskey, which will be fun to compare against their artists. I mean, like, again, these are all things that I think are going to be fun and great, and it creates a good evergreen lineup for them to tinker with. And I think that these are all going to be things that I think, geez, I don't actually have the SRP on this, but I feel like their pricing is always directly right around like the 60 to $70 mark or even less sometimes. So I feel like these are going to be not only like delicious and fun, but probably fairly attainable as well. Yeah, I mean, the releases, they aren't always the easiest to get unless you're a Texas fella. Um, you know, it, they don't really ship across the country, but they are easy enough to get in some places. Um, but as far as approachability and price, they always seem to be right on the money. Like making whiskey is expensive, but they never seem overpriced. Everything seems very fair. Um, it's kind of a cool, they, they kind of bucked the trend of all the things I disliked about Texas ahead of time. So, you know. Kudos to them on that one. For sure. Let's start talking about the uh, tasting notes on this thing. See what you're getting out oh, of here. Yeah. I'm so far impressed. If nothing else, the mouthfeel on this is actually quite luxurious for, uh, you know, being that it's probably just barely four years old. Yeah, that's the thing is, is they probably could have stuff that's older, but everything seems to hover right around four years. But if we drink this blind, I don't know that we know it. Like the nose actually has this big cherry note to it, which I kind of like. That's kind of atypical for Still Austin. A lot of big brown sugar, kind of like a black tea, sweet tea. It's like very sweet, rich, sticky, lots of toffee and stuff. Really approachable stuff. Like I, blind, I don't know if I would know this is basically you know, four years old and right at 50%. Yeah, I don't think I would peg you for that either, to be honest with you. It's one of those sips that like, as I first started swirling it, I was like, oh, it's got like this cool kind of like cracked pepper kind of like spicy vibe to it. And then as I swirl a little bit, I'm like, geez, there's almost like a kind of a red apple skin. There's like this like balance of spiciness and fruitiness, which just kind of like makes me think not a four-year-old product typically. And so I think some of that is working out really well. Then hits the palate. I get a really good mouth going on this. It's really nice. And from there, I kind of like, like you were talking about, it's just like I'm dissecting this into like different layers of fruits. And it's kind of like hitting me with a little bit of like a, again, with the apple vibes, I get this like sort of, I, I don't think I would call it like a dark cherry, but like something along the lines of like a brighter cherry, maybe even cranberry. Like there's some lighter red fruit in there with it too as well. And these like really good, like almost almost like not maple syrup, but like maple cream, like these 
lighter, sweeter toffee notes in there too that really kind of dance. It's pretty exciting in the glass. I'm definitely with you. The Sometimes when I have a craft whiskey or a new producer on the nose, I'm like, oh, this is great. And then it takes a total turn on the palate. And you're like, okay, back to reality. But turning from the nose to the palate on this one too, all those same notes persist. Like it, it's oaky, but it's not dry. It's not too oaky, too bitter. Like it has a really nice structure to it. And for me, it's just like maple all day. Like I don't know specifically what flavor we would have expected to get between red corn and other corn, but to me, this has a little bit darker profile, like a lot of maple, tobacco, pepper. And it 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 doesn't taste super old, but it also doesn't taste young. Like it tastes just like I would hope like Evan Williams bottled in Bondwood. Yeah. Like and that to me is like a definite win on the palate. Like that's a that's a big win for Kraft Whiskey right there. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm actually trying to dig through some of the press material now to see if they disclose the mash bill on this because I actually do like on the finish, I'm getting some pretty good lingering rye spice. It's really nice. I enjoy that a lot. I think it comes through and gives a lot of good balance to it, especially where there was a lot of, you know, there was kind of pepper up front on the nose. And then it went into a ton of like fruity, sweet vibes, a lot of caramelly kind of dessertiness. And then to come back around with like a good rye spice on the end, man, is just like, you know, chef's kiss material. I really dig this. Yeah, I don't know. This could honestly contend for one of my favorite Still Austins so far. And part of that is the fact that I haven't had more than a couple, but I'm really impressed that there's very few producers I have. And, and given this is a limited sample size, right? Like this isn't something I've had 30 or 40 expressions from. But overall, Still Austin seems to kind of nail it. They don't release like 100 expressions a year. They seem pretty calculated and thoughtful about what they're doing. And even doing four limited editions a year, you know, that gets up there more than most brands do, but certainly not more than many, um, or certainly not the most. So I, I'm, 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 I'm really liking the fact that they seem very thoughtful about these releases. Like they're not ready to release it unless it's awesome, unless it's good. And this is certainly, this is up there with my favorite of the Still Austin so far. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's probably my favorite. I thought the ride that they did was good. I think we've reviewed all of them, actually. The Musician Bourbon, and then the Cask mm -hmm. Strength, and then the Musician Rye. It's nice to see this new line coming where we've sort of got staged content coming ahead with these releases as they come out. And having tried this one, I'm extremely excited to try these in a lineup and try to pick a favorite of them and see what that'll be, especially where one of them is going to be another release in a rye. I think that's going to be super fun too. But I mean, just for me, flavor-wise, on the nose, finish, everything, this is a thumbs up all the way so far. I love it. Why? Well, I, I have to say I will give it a thumbs up as well. And that seems like just about the right note to move on to the second bottled and bond of the night. Yeah, so this is a, a cool night in a way because here we are going through two producers that, generally speaking, a lot of whiskey folks may have not even heard of. I mean, when you think bourbon, generally speaking, you're going to be thinking Kentucky, not necessarily Texas or Missouri. And moving on from Texas down to Missouri, we're going to be talking about a Ben Holiday. This is their latest release, the Bottle and Bond Soft Red Wheat. So this is a six-year, which I like that it's age-dated. They give us a lot of information up front. Uh, they have, I feel, look at the back of the bottle here and see what type of information is on. I remember the last bottle they sent over, we had uh, like right down to the blend ratios. Yeah, they do. They put everything on there. <laughs> yeah, so we got everything. <laughs> if you want to know it, they're sharing it, which I think is really cool. Coming in here, like from a brand from a state that like generally speaking to me is kind of quiet this pops out and it's just like hey 
everything you were going to ask for, we already gave you right on the fucking bottle, dude. So pour some, sip it, and have fun, which is what I'm going to do. I will say, I have one gripe about this label. Go on. And I never like to start with a grumble or a gripe, but it says, and so just so everyone knows, this is a bottled and bond whiskey. And bottled and bond means it's, you know, distilled at the same distillery, same season, all that good stuff. This says it's distilled in spring of 2017 and bottled in March of 2023. So we go from season to month. And if this wasn't age dated for six years, it would be really tough to know what we're actually drinking, whether it was like March to March or April to March, which would have to be five years. But anyways, I think that's just a little detail. Um, and I, they compensate with the fact that it's 18% from the first floor, 14% from the second floor, 52% from the fourth floor, and 16% from the sixth floor. Um, so I'll, I'll chalk that up to an oversight. Like there's all the info you can want. There's age, ABV, literally where it comes from, the Rickhouse C and the age, but cool stuff. Okay. Cool stuff. I'll give it to you. That's fair. That's a fair complaint. OCD right side of me can get on board with that. But the, uh, it's just tricky. Yeah, it is. And like you said, it could end up being it could end up being a little bit misleading had it not been clearly age stated right on the front. So I guess I see where I see where you're coming from. It's fair. And the key is I trust Holiday. Like I don't think they would do something shady, but I, I can I can think of a couple producers who would love to insinuate right. that spring of twenty seventeen to March twenty twenty three maybe means six years when it doesn't. Yeah, but that's these guys are good guys. They got six years old all over this thing, so we know it's true and it's bottled and bond. Yeah. Coming from um, a producer so yeah. who is trying their ass off to give you every bit, every nugget of information you want, I, I, I see where you're coming from. I would trust that. That does make a lot more sense than a producer who is just going to like kind of, a, you know, in, in like very light ink, kind of like handwrite it on the side <laughs> of the bottle or something like, oh, it must have just smudged in shipping. It's fine. Uh, the old invisible ink release. Yep. The best ones ever. <laughs> Oh man, and this is uh, this is their soft red wheat. So honestly, we're all about the color red here. We've got red corn and red wheat, which was definitely not uh, not the goal, but I mean, it works for me. Yeah, certainly hadn't planned it that way. Uh, this is also fruity, very oh yeah, very juicy. This is um, wow, this is a fun one. Oh man, this I wish I had the other Ben Holiday right handy so I could try to do a little compare and like see the difference, but. Here we are. We'll just have to, you know, drink whiskey and complain about it. That would have also been good planning, but good planners, we are not. I have to say, this reminds me of something from my childhood. And I was I was a weird picky kid, but I didn't like mushy stuff, which like, I mean, I don't get why people would. But uh, growing up, I only ate one kind of apple, and it was because it was the crispiest apple in the grocery store. And it was the Fuji apple, so like super crispy, super acidic. This has those big like apple skin citrus notes but also with that caramel like you'd get those little dipping cups that have the caramel in mm. it and you'd like eat the whole apple slice and then try and put all the caramel in your mouth at once oh, but shit, yeah this kind of reminds me of that like it, it's it's fruity at first and then mm, it gets big and rich yeah that's geez big and rich is a good way to look at that and i think we might get hit with some sort of lawsuit if we try to market anything that way but <laughs> we're talking tasting notes i think that's totally fair it is it's really juicy i get like layers of yeah like caramel apple vibes for sure uh, the desserty side of this doesn't, it's not backed up with the spice. So for me, like that's missing that little bit on the nose of maybe a little bit of spice to round it out, but it does have, man, just great flavors on the palate. Uh, 
like the oak influence on here is really good too. It holds everything together in a nice way. I agree with you. I noticed the ABV on this a little bit more, knowing that both the Still Austin and the Holiday are 50% ABV. This guy has a little more punch of ethanol, but it also has a way richer palate. And there's definitely a little more oak. Like you can tell there's a little more aging. But the red wheat really comes through nice. Like to me, it is like big salted caramel, caramel notes. There's a little bit of like a barrel char, which is satisfying. And then some of that fruitiness comes back, but it's more, I want to say like more like apple pie, apple crumble. Like it's getting more savory, more sweet than like that big pop of acidity. But um, this is a stunner on the palate. This is nice stuff. Yeah. I think that generally for me, I would lean towards something that is not a weeded bourbon because I like that rye spice, but man, does this do like some really cool stuff. And a lot of times with a, a weeder, I'll get this like kind of, I don't want to say like fruit salad kind of note to it, but it's like a white fruits, like winter berry kind of toastiness that, that I really kind of pick out of. So like some of the maker's cask strength, things like that. And I can kind of see oh, yeah. like some similarities to that. Uh, but those like layers of red fruits in this, like almost to the point of like the, and it's funny that you mentioned stuff from your childhood that you like and didn't like. Uh, they were like, you know, Twizzlers, of course, right? Those like stupid, like waxy red things. There was like yeah, yeah, yeah. cherry flavored ones of those that were gross. And like, there's something in this that reminds me of that, but in a way that's not gross. And like, so that's yeah. an awful correlation, but it's like, it popped up in my mind. I'm like, man, this has like candy flavors in there. Like a lot of red fruit almost reminds me of like cherry flavored Twizzlers, but those are fucking disgusting. So I shouldn't say it that way. So like, anyway, if you like those, <laughs> then you probably will like these because those suck and this is good. It, it's really funny you mentioned the cherry Twizzlers because a note that I was kind of toying with when talking about the red fruits is, you know, those cherry slice candies that like are definitely artificially cherry flavored, but not in like that nasty cough syrup kind of way they they come in every grocery store and like gift shop in america it's where it's like the clear cellophane bag at the bottom and then the little white paper top at the top and inside is like 10 to 14 of those like chair like gelatinous cherry slices oh, that are like a big gummy yeah um, but they they taste so rich and so cherry in a like a natural but also kind of artificial way and i i like admittedly i love them like i will eat them whenever i see them which is a, a big problem for my waistline but that candy is so rich and so cherry forward in a way that isn't like cough syrupy or nasty. We've done that, something. I can kind of see popping out here. We've done something horribly wrong as a human it, society. Of like the things that we've done to cherries, it's just unfair if you think about it. Like people try to like flavor medicine to taste like cherry, which scars children into thinking they don't like cherries. It grows right. us up into adults who don't know what cherry should taste like. And then we have products roll out like Traverse City Whiskey Company does their barrel proof cherry every year and it like continues to improve and uh, knock our socks off. And like being that we're so, so disgustingly obsessed with cherries, it's <laughs> one of those things that it's like when it shows up and it shows up the right way, you're like, this people, this is what we need to be doing and not the other abominations that pop up like fucking Twizzlers and goddamn medicine. Like, Let's get this dialed in. And I, I think that we're working on it here with uh, the holiday. Yeah, the holiday, this is this is really nice. I did really like the Still Austin. The extra age is apparent and a little less abusive aging environment, you know, up in Missouri. 
But I, I got to come back to the fact that like these guys continue to surprise and impress me because, I mean, I know the distillery has been around for forever, but until this product came out about like September when we tried the first Doc Holiday release, they were total just sleepers. Like we didn't know they were around. They were quietly just, mm-hmm, you know, making whiskey, doing all that cool stuff. And they are just bursting out of the scene. And I, it's not like they're releasing whiskey every day. But this is their second release in maybe six months. Like that's a good trajectory for making completely different whiskeys that are all aged very competently in a state that's just not synonymous with whiskey culture. I think it's cool. Yeah, I think it's really fun and really cool to be completely surprised when a brand reaches out and says like, oh, hey, we make Missouri bourbon. And in my mind, I'm thinking like, huh, I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, of course, I want to try it. Like that sounds fun and cool. But like at the same time, I'm like very cautiously optimistic. I would love for this to be fun and cool. And holy shit, like holiday again brings us something that is both fun and delicious. So it's really cool to be able to take these, perhaps you could say smaller or lesser known craft producers and say, guys, you're making something that's awesome. We're pumped about it. Like keep going, whatever you're doing, keep going. Whatever that next idea is on the whiteboard, do it. Cause you're so far, you're killing it. Yeah, and and honestly, they sent us this nice little postcard, and they're like, like, hey, when are you coming to visit? And you know, Missouri is not close, but they're not super far away. And honestly, it would take a lot for me to be like, well, I have a lot going on. I'm not currently wearing pants. I'm going to need to change both of those things mm. to get in my car and drive to Missouri. Which, until like, without tasting this, I'd be like, absolutely not. I am not driving to Missouri to try some distillery I've never heard of. But two for two on these releases. I'm starting to consider it. And that's, I think that's about the best endorsement I can give a new producer. Like I would, uh, yeah, I'd go visit. I think it'd be cool. And hopefully they have more whiskey like this one. <laughs> Fucking cherry cough drops. I'm still, I'm ranting about the abominations. Like the things that we have done to the cherries is just, it's fucking embarrassing. That stupid cherry, cherry pie feeling that comes out of a can. Get the fuck out of here. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, why can't life just be Luxardo's and cherries? That's what I'm saying, man. Like, there's just so many things that we could do better about cherries. We're going to have to, like, plant a cherry tree. I don't know if we could afford life if it was all Luxardo's, though. <sighs> yeah, shit would get expensive fast, but it would be damn good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, overall, you know, a back-to-back of two bottled and bonds, uh, two very different parts of the country... Uh, this is the thing that kind of reminds me of that sentiment you say, which is, you know, it, it's kind of always the golden days of whiskey, right? Like people complain, yeah, you can't get Parker's Heritage or Pappy or Antique Collection like you used to be able to, but you used to also not be able to kind of be like, oh, whiskey from Missouri? Like, all right, I'll give it a go and have it be good. Like this is, this to me is infinitely more exciting than finding good old Van Winkle 12 or Van Winkle 10 on the shelf. And I think that's that's a pretty a pretty good place for American whiskey to be. Yeah, this represents open doors and things that are going to continue to grow and improve and make the whiskey world more awesome. And that most certainly means a lot to guys like us who are interested in seeing whiskey progress and grow and do good things. But I think it also means a lot to the communities that these are coming from. And hopefully they can sort of hang their hat on stuff just like this. And maybe, who knows, next year we'll get surprised by, I don't know, fucking Nebraska or some other state who's going to roll out a brand that we never heard of. I don't know. You bag on Maine distillers pretty hard. Oh, I no. feel like Maine's over. No, it's <laughs> no. Maine, Maine needs to take a break. I love it. Well, I mean, 
if that's not what whiskey's about, I don't know what it is. And and to folks who live in Missouri that have been like, man, hopefully we get a good distillery, your days come. This guy's stuff pretty cool. Yeah, they're so here. I'll take it. I love it. Well, thank you guys for joining us for this episode. This is a great place to wrap on up. Uh, we will have reviews of both of these up as soon as we can. Uh, one of them is still kind of under embargo, so this release when it's open to the public. But both Ben Holiday and Still Austin, you can find them both on the bourbonfinder.com. Uh, where John is writing. You can also find him at his Instagram, The Bourbon Finder. And if you're looking for more from me, I'll have reviews of these up as well at whiskeyraiders.com. So thanks for joining me as always, guys. I'm Jay, better known as Take, and we will catch you in the next episode of the Whiskey Raiders podcast. Whiskey Raiders.